Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. It's great to see you all this morning, having the fourth Sunday of, of Advent. This week, I was invited to meet with a, a group of clergy from a different uh, denomination, and then we had a, 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 sh- a short meeting and, and lunch. And then after I rode with one of them, and after the meeting, I went back to, to their, one of their churches because I had my car there, and uh, I went into the sanctuary. And they had recently added a very, very large icon, a religious painting of the Virgin Mary. And if you look at pictures of the Virgin Mary, they look very familiar. They, all, they, they look very similar because there's different styles, right? Different time periods. And this one had some unique features. Uh, in, the, in this icon, like many others, she's holding Jesus in her arms, right? We've seen this. This is like a very familiar scene, right? The, the Virgin holding baby Jesus in her arms. But in this one, it was a little bit different because he wasn't a small baby. He looked to be almost kind of toddler age. And it was really interesting. I'd never seen this before. It looked like he was kind of like jumping up into her arms. And she was like, you know, she had her arms out like this. And he was kind of like jumping up there. And I thought to myself, wow, this is, this is really a little bit different. This is really interesting. And I thought to myself, of course, because this is how mothers and dads interact with their kids. And I thought about how my own son, Isaac, how I'll be sitting with him sometimes on the couch. Or I'll be walking towards him and he'll just jump some of you who have small kids know that. They don't, sometimes they just don't care. They'll just come and they'll run and they'll jump. And you better be there to catch them or else you're going to have, have some trouble. Another interesting feature of the painting was where the toddler Jesus was grabbing her robe. Right? He had his hand kind of under her robe like this and he was holding on. You couldn't see his hand, but you could kind of see this. And from where his hand was, there's this gold filigree that came down about here and then went up over, kind of over her veil and I thought wow this is this is a really moving picture this is a very moving icon and I thought about how Mary gets neglected beyond a few mentions in Christmas and the readings for this week was the Magnificat what we just heard read so well by Rita and I thought about how Mary neglect she gets neglected except at some time at Christmas so what I wanted to do is I wanted to focus the sermon on Mary And Mary gets overlooked a lot in churches, Protestant churches, because she makes us a little uncomfortable. Usually she gets overlooked because we don't want to seem a little too Catholic, a little too Roman Catholic. And she comes across oftentimes as just a receptacle for God's plan or a pushover or a plot point to kind of move the story along instead of what she actually is, a willing and necessary participant in God's plan of redemption. And she herself says in Luke 148, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. But many times we don't call her blessed. In fact, many times we don't think of her at all. So today we're going to talk about the Virgin Mary, and today's texts talk a lot about her, and we're going to see what we can learn from her. But before we get there, we're going to begin with something that I promise will make sense all at the end. So one of the common tropes in a lot of Christmas movies, and there's a lot of Christmas movies on, 
is this idea of a Christmas miracle or Christmas magic. I find it more than a little amusing and in what has become for many a secular holiday that something remains of the supernatural or the mystical. It's almost like the one day a year where it's okay to talk about the mysterious, the magical, and the miraculous. And this appears all over popular culture, right? We all know the story of It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm about to spoil it if you haven't seen it. In It's a Wonderful Life, the angel Clarence miraculously intervenes in the life of George Bailey. And George moves from despair to joy. And he's surrounded by his family and the people who he helped over the years. And they all give him the money to cover the money that his uncle lost to old man Potter. Or in the other Christmas classic, Die Hard, Theo can only drill <laughs> through six of the locks keeping them out of the vault full of $300 million worth of bearer bonds. And Theo tells Hans, Hans, I can't do anything about the seventh lock. And Hans responds, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time for miracles. And sure enough, the vault gets opened. <laughs> or in Ernest Saves Christmas, where Ernest and his sidekick help Santa find a replacement Santa just in the nick of time to deliver the toys for the kids on Christmas Eve. And don't even get me started on all of the animated kids show. I will say there's one that's not in my notes. I was watching this with Isaac the other day. It's like a Mickey Once Upon a Christmas or something. And in it, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the three duck nephews, right, of Donald Duck, they want it to be Christmas every day. So what happens in the, they get down on their knees. The one of them gets down on their knees like this, and he looks out the window in the night sky. And the other ones are in the back, and he goes, starlight, star bright, the first light I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might, the wish I might have tonight. And then the other two come, and they join him. And they're praying. They're in a posture of prayer, and they're praying to a magical Christmas star, right? So it's interesting how in a, what's largely in our culture now a secular holiday, there's still these trappings of the magical, of the mysterious, and the mystical. And I, I say all of this to point out that our culture, even though it's immersed in secularism, still has room for this sort of thing, even if people claim to not believe in this sort of thing. And Christmas is the perfect time of year where the true Christmas magic, the incarnation of God the Word as a human baby boy, gets the spotlight as it should. Now, in these movies or shows, if they're not well-written, there's a fortuitous series of events, right, which happens, and everything works out at the end. Everyone is in the right place at the right time. The seemingly insurmountable problem is overcome. The couple falls in love at the Christmas party. Santa finds his magic bag. The selfish person learns to be giving. This is called, I'm going to get technical for a second, a deus ex machina, or God from the machine. Now, this means back in the, the days where Greeks were doing plays, what would happen was, after everything went wrong in the story and there was no way out, they would have a character dressed as a god. He would come in on a crane, where we get the word machina from, right? He would come out, he, the god would descend, and he would make everything okay with a wave of his hand, and the story would be resolved. He would fix everything for everyone and bring about the happy ending. And so this functions in the same type of vein as these stories of Christmas magic or Christmas miracles that we see. But in the story of Mary, we see this type of thing subverted a little bit. Because in the story, God does come. He does come. 
but he doesn't come perform an incantation and then make everything okay and then leave again. No, when the actual God comes onto the actual stage of the world, something different happens, and we see this in Mary's story. And so in the story we just heard read, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who herself has also been given a miraculous child. And we're meant to see here, brothers and sisters, the links between miraculous births in the Old Testament and the miraculous birth between first Elizabeth and then with Mary. Because we remember the story of Sarah, and we remember the story of Hannah, Samuel's mother, and we remember the story of Samson's mother, who unfortunately isn't named in the text. But all three women are promised these miraculous births, and so is Elizabeth. But these births, these children are born or are conceived through natural means. They have kids the old-fashioned way, but with God opening their womb. But there's a difference here with Mary. No human father is going to be involved. So in a sense, Mary follows along with the Old Testament narrative of miraculous births, but is set apart because her child is not going to be a mere prophet, but God himself taking on human nature by participating in human life and death and resurrection. And so in the beginning of this narrative, the baby John leaps for joy when Mary arrives. And it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to Mary, blessed are you. She pronounces a blessing on Mary. And it's worth stopping here for a few moments because we have a deep-seated fear as if, as if, ascribing to Mary any holiness or grace detracts from Jesus so much that he's completely obscured. And that's just not true. That's, that's just not true. Elizabeth says, blessed are you. Then she says, blessed is your child, right? And then she says, blessed are you because you believed the word of the Lord. And then she expressed joy because she says, the mother of my Lord has come to me. And this echoes the language of King David in 2 Samuel 6, when the Ark of the Covenant, which the presence of God was contained in, comes home to Jerusalem. David says something very similar. What is this that the Ark of my Lord has come to me? And just as the Ark of the Covenant bears the presence of God, right, so too Mary bears the presence of God in her womb. The God who created all things has taken upon human nature in her womb. And so how does Mary respond to this shout of joy and blessing from Elizabeth? She herself also responds with joy by praising God. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, she's not sitting there saying, it's not like they're standing around talking and Mary goes, thank you, Elizabeth. Wow. Yeah, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Surely he has remembered his servants. He has cast down the mighty from the thrones. And he has scattered the proud. What time is it? <laughs> and sometimes we have this in our minds when we read scripture. No, she says, she's rejoicing here. The Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I, I picture her and the two of them talking like this. And just this effusion of joy this joy just comes bubbling up out of the both of them. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has
has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. All generations will call Mary blessed. She doesn't say all generations until the Reformation will call me blessed. She says all generations will call me blessed. God has done great things for her. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Now look at here in this text here, Luke 1, 46 to 55. God has scattered the proud. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones. God has shown his strength. God has exalted the humble. God has filled the hungry with good things. God has sent the rich away empty. God has helped Israel and remembered his mercy. These are all reversals. Because we have to remember, brothers and sisters, in this world that we live in right now, the bad guys can win. In this world, evil can triumph. In this world, wickedness goes unpunished. In this world, people can be mistreated, and systems of oppression and corruption can and are erected. And this isn't just something that happens only in our time, but also in Mary's time. And notice the tense of all of this occurring. She doesn't say God will show strength. She doesn't say God will scatter. She doesn't say God will bring down the mighty. She uses a present tense. She says God has done these things. It's as if these things are actually done, that these things are actually accomplished already, that the, the, the proud have already been scattered, that God has shown his strength, that God has brought down the mighty that God has looked on the humble estate of his servants. And the Mighty One has done great things. In the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary, the mighty powers of the world are brought down. The proud are cast down, the poor are exalted. And this is not just spiritual powers, brothers and sisters, but reference to human institutions that oppress human beings. And in Mary, God has appeared and chosen the humble, a person with no status, no money, no power, nothing. No standing in the community and chose the humble to bear the divine. And this upends everything. This upends every social order. This upends every hierarchy because God has appeared on the scene, not in the womb of a rich person, not in the, room, in the womb of, of a king or a ruler and someone with a lot of spiritual or political power, but God has chosen the humble. God has appeared on the scene in her womb, not as a deus ex machina, not as a god from the machine, but the deus ex virgina, God from the virgin. And unlike the Greek plays, when Christ shows up on the scene, everything doesn't just get magically, magically fixed and the show's over, right? When Jesus is born, he doesn't instantly be, become a man and then say, okay, you know, and wiggle his nose or whatever, like in the show, and poof, everything goes back to normal. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. In fact, the opposite occurs. The kingdom of God enters and begins to spread slowly bringing change and salvation to all the world. And this isn't Christmas magic in the sense of what we see on TV, but the true Christmas magic, the true Christmas miracle, the very power and presence of God that brings true healing, true change, and true transformation has come. And in a sense, we should also learn from this that we, 
as we bear Christ, as Mary bore Christ, that we are blessed among all people, that when we believe the word of God and hear and obey it, we are blessed. When Christ dwells in us, we are blessed. We are blessed among the nations. And as we work to see God transform the world, upending social orders, human and spiritual, and reconciling all things in Jesus Christ, we are blessed. We are blessed. And may we, this Christmas season and beyond, let us learn to love and to cherish the Virgin Mary because God chose something Someone humble. God chose someone who no one else would have chosen to bring about the one who would cause the salvation of the entire cosmos because of one person's saying yes and humble acceptance of what God was asking her to do. And so let her be our example this Advent and Christmas season. And so as we do that, then we see the love and the majesty and the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ even clearer. And so, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.